0: Plushcare dot slash To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast
1: nine and three quarters. Topic of the week is what's too horrible to go into detail about. Hello, listeners. I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem. And today we're talking about some really, really awful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Massive trigger warning. I'm just going to put it out first before we get too into detail. But this episode, mm. we're going to talk about uh, sexual assaults, uh, bodily mutilation, mm. murder, violence, really, really, really dark stuff. So
0: if yeah. anything, oh, also child death, I should bring oh. that up as well. Yep, we can add uh cannibalism to my section. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh we're talking we're
1: we're hitting the mother load here. We're talking about every fucking topic you can possibly imagine that's really dark. Yeah. So if you're not into that at all, if any of those topics really upset you, this is not the episode for you. Highly
0: recommend you just skip this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll probably have in the description of this episode a list of like the specific points that we cover because Obviously, we don't know exactly where the conversation is going to take us right now while we're recording. Yeah. Uh, so check the description if yep. you want to know in more detail.
1: Yep. Have you checked it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. Okay. If you're still here, so what this episode is about is a specific quote from J.K. Rowling. Ew. ew. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Okay. Here's the quote. <laughs> it was from years ago. She was being interviewed by another podcast. I'm not sure if it was Leaky Pod. I'm I'm not sure. But anyway, or um, Muggle Nerd, or yeah, one of those main ones. Um, she was asked a question about what the process of making a Horcrux is. And she said this quote that I'll, I'll read out now. Mm-hmm. I see it as a series of things you would have to do. So you would have to perform a spell, but you would also, I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. I know that sounds funny, but I did really think it through. There are two things that I think are too horrible, actually, to go into detail about. One of them is how Pettigrew brought Voldemort back into a rudimentary body because I told my editor what I thought happened there and she looked as though she was going to vomit. And then, and the other thing is, how you make a Horcrux. And I don't even like, I don't know, will it be in in, in an encyclopedia? I don't know if I can bring myself to, I don't know. So that's J.K. Rowling. She's
0: very indecisive about this. (laughs) I think also something that's key there is she says that the thing that almost made an editor vomit was talking about how Voldemort got back in his body. Mm -hmm. I always thought that had to do with the creation of the Horcrux, but that's something that's gotten a bit mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, there's basically two things that JK
1: has been advised by her editor and maybe by some other like initial readers of the story or initial readers of her ideas to not talk about. And maybe she's like, yeah, it's a good idea not to talk about it. And it's, yeah, like we said, Mm -hmm the making of a crux, and what happened, the process that happened to get Voldemort into a rudimentary body at the end of Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about them. We're going to theorize what happened. Yeah.
0: Um, so do you want to start us off with Peter Pettigrew and what he did to put Voldemort back into a physical body?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Um, mm. First, I think we should start off talking about Bertha Jorkins a bit. Okay. Because she's going to be important to this story. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people forget who she is because she's not in the movie. She's like only a small part in the book. So if you haven't read the books in a while. So Bertha Jorkins was a girl who attended school. She was a few years above Sirius and James and and, uh, Peter and all that crew. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was around in like the 70s. After she attended school, she worked for the Department of Magical Games and Sports under Ludo Bagman. There was one point during her time there that she was sent to Body Crouch Sr.'s house mm-hmm. to take some notes or do something like that, deliver a message. And while she was there, she overheard a conversation between Winky the house elf and Body Crouch Jr., who was underneath the invisibility cloak. And she was able to sort of piece together who was under the cloak and realize that it was escaped criminal Barty Crouch Jr. Well, while she was there, before she could get out and tell anyone what she'd heard, Body Crouch Sr. appeared and gave her a really... Messy, basically, memory charm that kind of gave her brain damage. It really affected Mm -hmm. her and changed her personality a lot so that she became very forgetful, very sort of absent-minded. Dotty is what I would use to describe her personality Mm -hmm. from then on. Before that, she was very nosy and gossipy and remembered a lot of other people's business. But after that, she was um, very different.
0: But yeah, not brain damaged. I also think this happened... Pretty close to the beginning of the fourth book because I think it makes sense that Ludo Bagman and Barty Crouch, they were collaborating on both the Triwizard Tournament and also on the Quidditch World Cup. so it makes sense that that's why she was there. Yeah, she was doing some sort
1: of errand for them. Mm -hmm. So after that, she went on a trip to Albania,
0: Romania, Albania. I think it was Albania, Mm -hmm. and like maybe she was even like sent on this trip being like, take some time off work because Mm. you seem to have suddenly become very terrible at your job (laughs) and functioning as a human being. Yeah, she was visiting
1: family there, and while she was in a pub, basically, in Albania, she ran into Peter Pettigrew. She recognized him instantly because she has a very, like, you know, she knows her classmates. Mm -hmm. And, but she was gonna like, you know, tell someone that, oh my god, Peter Pettigrew is alive, but he convinced her to steal away with him into the woods where he overpowered her mm-hmm. and brought her to Lord Voldemort. So I'm going to yeah. read. He probably, he probably had her under the Imperius curse. Yeah. we're not really sure. It doesn't say. hmm Okay. So I'll read out the description here. Lord Voldemort was able to break through the memory charm placed by Barney Crouch senior on her through torture and learned of the imprisonment of his fo- follower Crouch junior and also learned valuable information about the tribe was a tournament, which he would use to try and kill Harry Potter. Mm hmm. So, breaking through the memory charm had left Bertha severely damaged by apparently damaging her mind and body beyond repair, and Lord Voldemort murdered her with the killing curse because he had no more use for her. Voldemort used Bertha's death to turn his snake Nagini a into a horcrux. Mm-hmm. Pettigrew noted that was a poor move, believing that the Ministry would notice her disappearance and that they could have simply modified her memory to cover their tracks, which Voldemort believed would not have would have been an insult to her memory, which was a dick thing to say, because, you know, she has no memory anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He obviously didn't
0: actually care about insulting her memory. No. he He's just being a fuck. Yeah, he's being a creepy, evil guy.
1: Mm. So that's, that's what we're told what happens to Bertha. That's the essential part of her story. Yeah. So now we're going to get into what we theorized, and what I've sort of theorized based off Things I've seen online and takes I've seen from other people, but things I've sort of pieced together into my own idea of what's happened to Bertha Jorkins. Mm-hmm. Okay. My basic idea is that Voldemort possessed the unborn fetus of Bertha Jorkins and used the full power of his legilimens mind to break her brain, body, and soul from the inside out. So. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to just take a moment for that or do you want me to just go
0: straight into that <laughs> after that? <laughs> Um, I want to clarify, you said the unborn fetus of Bertha Jorkins. Of, you don't mean, no, like, yeah. she was a fetus. You mean she was pregnant. I mean, she was pregnant, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Because the main thing with the whole Voldemort baby and a cauldron thing is, where the fuck did they get this body? Like, were, were they growing it? It seems like yeah. it was grown organically. And, mm-hmm. I mean, my first thought was... They use Ber- Bertha Jorkins for some sort of dark purpose. Pettigrew seemed really guilty about it in the like the, the initial chapters of Goblet mm-hmm. of Fire. Whenever Bertha Jorkins is brought up by Voldemort, Pettigrew looks so uncomfortable. And I'm like, I just feel mm-hmm. like they did something awful to that woman. And...
0: Yeah. I, I do like that this is an explanation for how Voldemort got a physical mm. body. Because I always wondered, how did he go from this wraith spirit thing that was possessing Quirrell to a baby in a chair at the beginning of Goblet of Fire.
1: Yeah. It's never really tapped into mm. they, they say that he's still kind of a wraith thing and that he's possessing rats and critters and stuff like that. And that's how Peter Pettigrew finds him. But then it's yeah. never really explained the next step, how he starts to get like possess a physical form. So I think that he, he, yeah, it says that he used his legilimens to break her memory and find all this information from her. Why wouldn't he be able to tell that she was pregnant? With that, um, even if it was only in the initial mm. stages of pregnancy, like maybe a month or two in.
0: Yeah. He would know. How how long of a period of time does Goblet of
1: Fire take place over? Oh, it. I mean, if you're looking at it from the first chapter to the last chapter, I feel like it's a year and a half.
0: That, yeah. Hang on. That might, like, explain, I guess, the size of the baby by the time Voldemort goes in the cauldron at the end. mm Because it seemed like he had grown quite a bit. And he was also enhancing his growth with magic Magic. and snake milk or snake venom or whatever. Another horrible thing.
1: Yeah, especially because now Nagini's not just a snake. She's a woman trapped in a snake's body. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I touch on this. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. It's bad. (laughs) It's not good. I can see why this would make someone want to vomit. Mm. The idea that this poor
1: woman who stumbles into this situation is pregnant, maybe she doesn't even know she's pregnant, and then Voldemort uses his power to possess her unborn fetus, grow inside of this woman, and then I guess force his way out when he was ready. I get more into how he does that later when you get into your Horcrux theory. Mm. But... Okay, so now I'm going to talk about Bertha being pregnant because I I think we might get some backlash to this, so I just want to cover some bases. So the argument might be like, but if Bertha was pregnant, she would have told someone that. Sirius Black said that in high school she was a gossip. He didn't know when to stop talking. Mm -hmm. First of all, she may have fallen pregnant after Body Crouch Senior performed that strong memory charm on her that caused her severe Mm -hmm. brain damage, fucked with her memory so that she didn't really know that she was pregnant. And also Bertha's
0: own... So wait a minute. No, huh? got pregnant before the memory charm, so that well, like after, the the like, knowledge of the memory of the um, pregnancy was wiped out of her brain. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. She also could have gotten pregnant like mm-hmm. with someone that she didn't want anyone to know about, and maybe that's why she was visiting her family in Albania. Like the maybe classic, so. you know, I went and joined a nun convent for a while and had a secret Six baby. Months. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: also, the only physical description that we get of Bertha is that she's described as being a larger girl. So, Mm -hmm. it might be that she fell pregnant and just didn't know for a while, because maybe if there's some sort of wizard version of the pill where she skips her periods all the time, she Mm -hmm. mightn't have noticed the other
0: sort of symptoms, like weight gain, her boobs getting bigger, things like that. Yeah. So That's definitely possible. There's so many cases of similar things happening in the muggle world. it happens all the time. Girls just not knowing they're pregnant for months. Mm. So...
1: Yeah, that's that's two reasons why I think she mightn't have known or she mightn't have said to anyone that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they could both be coexisting at the same time. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> but then there's there's a darker twist to this. It, and it's one mm-hmm. if she wasn't pregnant when she arrived. And Voldemort had this idea that, like, the only way for me to get a body is organically or to possess some sort of fetus and grow out or to possess a baby. But that baby is already mm-hmm. born... You know kind of has its own essence to it if he possesses it it's like maybe it's like a quiral situation where he wouldn't be able to possess it fully i don't know mm-hmm. so then there's the idea that perhaps basically Pettigrew was forced to violate bertha and impregnate her so that voldemort could fulfill this plan which is awful I've, I've had a few mm-hmm. people discuss this before, and this is something that I think could happen. And there's a few reasons why I think this could be the darker twist to this. It's already dark enough, but this is already really, this is another level. Yeah. Yeah. So Bertha is described, her character is described as someone who's easy to trick, who's prone to getting herself into trouble and spreading stories. She's lured away by Peter Pettigrew into the woods these all read like Bertha was sexually assaulted. Basically, that her body, her body was violated, yeah, and she exists does. in society that doesn't believe victims. It's like a classic Red Riding Hood thing. Like you know, she's oh, she trusts him, and she goes off off the trail, and uh, with this man, it's very yeah, it's very. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like it was a rape myth thing. Yeah, yeah. it's very victim blamey, and you know, she had it coming yeah. because of the way that she acted. It's like it's like what Sirius was describing. Um, no, not serious, sorry, Harry I was looking back on the memory that Dumbledore had of Bertha Jorkins and Bertha was describing a situation in which, in which um, some student hexed her and Dumbledore's like, well, why did they hex you, Bertha? And she's like, oh, I was telling everyone that he was kissing this girl behind the greenhouses because he was. And it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, she told people that he was doing something that maybe he didn't want other people to know about, but that's no excuse to hex her. <laughs> and Dumbledore was acting like this was Bertha's yeah. fault and she should have <laughs> known better. and all Like, he was victim blaming her. <laughs> like yeah just because she spread a rumor it's a bad thing she should be punished for spreading a rumor and infecting someone like that but she shouldn't have been punished with violence from another student and then
0: victim blamed for that (laughs)
1: like
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, yep that that all lines up it all fits it all fits yeah
1: spiders flee before so what do you think of this whole sexual assault undertone do you, do you think I'm
0: just seeing it into things too deeply or? No, I think that's, I think that's very, very credible. And I think that it's supported in text, not in the book itself or in the book itself with the information we know about Bertha mm-hmm. and, you know, your arguments, but I think there's another very strong supporter of this in the Crimes of Grindelwald movie, where we effectively see the exact same thing happen to, uh, what's her name? Is it Bella. Zoe Kravitz's mom. Um, What's the name of the Lestrange woman in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever her mom- Lita, that's it. Lita Lestrange's mother, who is also placed under the Imperius Curse, kept under the Mm -hmm. Imperius Curse for years, raped, forcibly impregnated. Like, if the argument is this is too dark to exist in a Harry Potter story, it already does. It's happened, like, canonically on screen as a key plot point. Something I didn't- like read into this much when I was reading the
1: books for a long time, but I only heard about it recently. The whole Ariana Dumbledore thing, when Mm -hmm. she's spotted by muggle boys in her backyard using magic and then the muggle boys decide to teach her a lesson apparently some people Mm -hmm. read that as those muggle boys like assaulting her. I never read it that way. I always thought that they bashed her up or something Mm -hmm. or like, you know, threw mud at her or called her a witch or a weirdo. But yeah. no, I I never saw it that way, but I, I get it now why people might, might have interpreted, oh my God, these boys raped her. And that's why,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Dumbledore's father yeah. went after them and tried
0: to kill them and got in prison for it. It's like a, you know, it's kind of a classic story. Yeah. I can, I've seen people say things like, you know, if, if three boys attacked my daughter like that, I would definitely end up in prison because of the things that I would do to them. Mm. So like, yeah, it's definitely a very common theory. I my brain didn't go there immediately, but now that somebody's pointed it out, I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah, and the and the whole like
1: description of Ariana never being the same after the attack mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff is classic classic like rape rape victim yeah. narrative around it. It's like, oh, they're permanently changed now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Bertha Jorkin's sort of like theory about the sexual assault undertones. I guess the theory about Bertha Jorkin's having an unborn fetus. I think it's credible that this could be something that's too dark to talk about because obviously it's sickening and yeah. this, like, it deals with an unborn fetus. That's a big no-no for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. an American audience, Yeah, um, especially was- a Christian background, which JK has a Christian background.
0: Yeah. I've also thought as well, when JK said her editor said this, I've always mm. assumed that she meant like her original primary editor who was working on the UK version with her, but she might've meant her American editor, because she would have had editors for every localization of the book. So her American editor might've heard this and be like, you cannot say anything like this to an American audience. Mm. Absolutely. Especially at a time like that. Yeah. It was a different, it was like back in
1: the mid two thousands that this came out, this book. I think so. It's pretty tumultuous. It was still Bush era, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's also, I think I'd like to point out the biblical tones of this, like the, the idea of Voldemort latching onto an unborn fetus and gestating is all very visceral and leans into the whole flesh, blood and bone magic that Pettigrew used to, you know, give him his, mm-hmm. his adult body. And it's like a darker version of, like, Eve growing out of Adam's rib. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just, I just thought it was very gross and organic and it seemed like that's how the dark magic would work mm-hmm. based on what we see from the ritual
0: at the end of Goblet of Fire. Yeah dark magic seems to have much more physical components to it than mm. regular light magic. It That's might just why, be that yeah. powerful magic works like that, but you know, we know that at the cave to protect the Horcrux, there's like a blood sacrifice you have to do. And like even the raising of um, Inferi and stuff, like it's all very physical. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. There's like the spilling of blood, the sacrifice element. It's, maybe all-powerful magic, but especially dark magic has this element of, yeah, Mm -hmm. using the body. That's grody. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's all I had to say on Bertha Jorkins. Um, I want to get, I want to touch back on her when we go into more of like our theories on how a Horcrux is made because of course Bertha Jorkins' death is used to make a Horcrux. So I want to touch back on that later. But did you have anything that you want to say about Bertha Jorkins
0: and Peter Pettigrew? The only other thing that I want to say about this is I like what you said about Possessing the unborn baby might make more sense than possessing a born baby or a, mm. like, regular person. Because we know that when we saw Voldemort possessing Quirrell, like you said, it's not as if Quirrell was mm. no longer inhabiting his own body. Voldemort was definitely, like, a passenger in a fully functional adult body with a soul and a mind and stuff that yeah. he wasn't in direct control over. So the there's, like... <laughs> Something that's controversial to say, but, like, there's got to be a certain point where there are, like, living cells that will one day become a human that doesn't already have a fully realized soul in it. It might be, like, immediately at the point of conception or several months (laughs) along. I'm not going to try and speculate in that. But the idea that Voldemort was able to, like, possess this person before they were an actual person with a mind and a soul and a body of their own... Yeah. that makes sense yeah, to me I like so it, it tracks i mean yeah, yeah.
1: I, I i don't know the exact science i don't know how many months along it takes but i i do know that in the early stages it's mm. mostly just cells like i'm looking at it scientifically guys if you want to at me if you want to yeah. go off at me this you can i don't care <laughs> i don't care mm-hmm. okay In the early stages, it's just cells. And Voldemort was saying that he could inhabit rats and snakes, and those are entire living organisms that have been around for ages, and he could fully possess those things. So if he could fully possess a living, moving animal, but not fully possess Mm -hmm. a human that is already born, then he can fully possess cells and grow with that cells and fully take over its formation and its gestation, I
0: assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i think it has to do with souls it might just be because like i'm on a souls track because i've yes, got this there. horcrux theory that i want to talk about that's very souls heavy but i yeah i think voldemort when he's this wraith thing that's what we've been calling him what he really is is just a disembodied soul mm, that's true yeah so he needs a he needs a body without a soul to possess
1: yeah and animals don't have souls do they but animal ghosts exist Animal ghosts exist, yeah. See, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking of it more as, like, a mind thing. Like, humans have more complex minds and brains than animals. So that's why Voldemort can fully inhabit mm-hmm. an animal, but not a human. Yeah,
0: maybe. Look, I might be totally off base with my <laughs> soul's guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, well, speaking of Horcruxes, if you want to get into that,
0: we can start on that. Yes. So I've got basically two Horcrux creation theories that I want to talk about. One that I've ripped directly from Tumblr. And thank God I was able to find the original Tumblr post. Hooray! Very often I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I It was maddening. I searched in Tumblr for literally hours looking for this post. And then I'm like, fuck this. And I went to Google and I typed in everything I could remember about the post into Google and immediately found it. Amazing. <laughs> I hate Tumblr. Any- <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So, there's a the Tumblr post that I want to talk about, and then there's my personal theory that I've created while doing the research for this episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, link will be in the description. Tumblr user, uh, this miss atomic bomb, who I believe now goes by the URL a Sherlock study, but it's Tumblr, so it's very hard to yeah. tell. This is their theory. I'm going to paraphrase it rather than reading the entire thing out loud. So it's based on what JK said about how um, the creation of the Horcrux is, like, not a process that can be done by accident. Mm -hmm. You can't accidentally create a Horcrux with the exception of Harry. We'll talk about Harry later. But, like, you have to cast some sort of spell and there's also this awful act that you have to commit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I've got a thing in here about the thing that made the editor want to vomit, but that's not correct anymore because I've realized that. Mm. So basically, Miss Atomic Bomb theorized that there are only two things that are related to death and killing which seems to fit these criteria mm-hmm. of like being so horrible that we can't talk about it, the atrocious act, blah blah blah. And they theorized that it was either necrophilia or cannibalism. I'll read this part out directly. Necrophilia. Now I don't actually think this is the answer but it's gross enough to make anyone vomit on the spot so I'm throwing it out there. I just don't think that's it at all. My personal theory is cannibalism. There are a lot of cultures that believe that to eat the flesh of one's enemies is to take the enemy's power into yourself, Mm -hmm. most specifically the heart Though really any flesh or organs would do. So does Voldemort eat the dead as his horrific act? I think this one is the most likely, and it's grotesque and taboo enough that it turns the stomach. Mm -hmm. So this theory is based on the idea that the editor wanted to vomit when they heard about it, but we've realized that that doesn't track perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. This interests me because it links directly into the idea that... not the idea, the fact that Voldemort's followers are called the Death Eaters. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I had that
1: in my notes. I'm like, will she mention this? Because Death Eaters. Yeah. It's so... I always wondered why the fuck they're
0: called Death Eaters. same. I always wondered why they were called that. (laughs) Because, like, there's no explanation for why they're called Death Eaters in the book other than it's just a spooky name, I guess. But Mm -hmm. if consuming the dead is... Like if it's a magical theory reference to the idea of dark magic rituals and immortality and that's something that would exist in a cultural context that wizards would understand, mm-hmm. then of course you'd name your followers Death Eaters. Like, Voldemort's a big fucking nerd making a big fucking nerd joke yeah. that the wizards understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the theory goes on, if the spell if the spell that you have to cast to create a Horcrux is Avada Kavada, the Killing Curse, and then the horrific act is cannibalism, consuming your victim, and that's how you create a Horcrux. Then how did Harry become a Horcrux? Mm-hmm. Because Voldemort obviously killed James and Lily, and he tried to use the killing curse on Harry. But as far as we know, he didn't do anything to their bodies, thank God. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> so, he
1: didn't have the time, he was blasted
0: out of existence. <laughs> yeah. <This> loser. <laughs> 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 idiot. Anyway, so where things went wrong is Voldemort tried to complete the Horcrux making process by killing Harry. He cast this killing curse, but it's reflected back onto him because of Lily's love shield and he's destroyed. Yeah. His body shouldn't have been like evaporated by the killing curse even if it's rebounding back stronger because the killing curse just kills you without leaving any physical damage. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that The magic being turned back on itself was like a snake eating its own tail. Mm -hmm. Voldemort's magical essence was being destroyed and it consumed his body in an effort to keep itself alive Mm -hmm. so that by the time it was over, all that was left is his magic and his soul and that's what fled the building and became that wraith thing that we see for the rest of the time. Yeah, And then the piece of his soul that was already torn off and detached and like ready to make a Horcrux instead of going into an object, latched itself onto the nearest magical thing, which was Harry because Mm -hmm. the process wasn't fully completed. Or latched itself onto the nearest soul. Yeah.
1: Because Harry had his own soul and maybe part of the Horcrux thing is you need to make sure everything in the room doesn't have a soul so that your victim is already dead and you've consumed Mm -hmm. them or a part of them in order to put the piece of soul in a Horcrux. But because there's there's already
0: something alive in the room, Harry, it latches onto him. That's cool. I like the idea that you have to be completely alone with only your dead victim. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. like any other souls in the room will just mess with the ritual and make it go wrong. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think this is a really, really strong theory. The idea that cannibalism is necessary to create a horcrux. Yeah. But there are parts of it that I don't agree with. I don't think that the spell that you need to use is Avada Kavada, because if that was the case, I think there would be too many horcruxes. <laughs> it, it seems too easy. <laughs> um, so I think that Like, you can use the killing curse to cause the death of the victim, but I think there's some other spell or some other dark magic ritual which is involved, and it's to do with either preparing your soul to be torn, or preparing the Horcrux vessel Mm. uh, to store part of your soul, or just otherwise, like, getting ready and beginning this process.
1: I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B. I think you have to prepare your soul to be torn, so you have to be like, hey soul, I'm about to kill someone, (laughs) when that happens, rip apart. And then you have to prepare whatever vessel you want, like, I don't know, a fucking Rubik's cube to be like, okay, (laughs) this is all ready for my soul part to go into it and for the soul of whoever I kill a part of that to go in there as well and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff.
0: And I think that this is time consuming and magically draining. And I think that's part of why Voldemort doesn't just make lots of Horcruxes very quickly, aside from Mm -hmm. just not having the objects that he wants to use for them. Yeah. So I think there's like specific requirements and preparation for the victim and their death for you and your soul and for the object that's going to become the Horcrux. Yeah. And Voldemort either had all of this ready before he even went to Godric's Hollow or he did it in the nursery mm. after killing Lily and before killing Harry. Mm-hmm. And I think that like this ritual that he was trying to attempt is part of the reason why the house exploded because the killing curse shouldn't, have exploded the house. It's not an explosion spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the other magic shit that was going on there. Mm. So I've seen arguments Oh wait, first of all, is there anything that you want to say about this cannibalism theory? <laughs> I, I love it. It's sickening. Um, I just, I think mm. it's, it's, it's really sickening, but
1: I think it makes a lot of sense. And it fits in with the idea mm. of what we were saying about dark magic being visceral and, and physical and stuff yeah. like that. And, it just, it makes mm-hmm. me, I'm just going to tap back to Bertha Jorkins here, because it makes me think that yep. perhaps Voldemort ate his way out, rather than exiting through a natural birth, he sort of ate his way out through her stomach. Oh no. As like a perverted birth, I know.
0: Yeah, and then like, that killed her, of course. Of course. <laughs> and he you hope she died quick. Yeah, My you God. hope, hopefully it killed her. And then yeah. she- and then he consumed part of her, and then he might have been, like, already in the moment and being like, oh, right now, I literally can create a Horcrux, with but Nagini. I don't have an object ready, yeah. but I can use Nagini, who is here. Yeah. So, like, it wasn't an accidental Horcrux, but it was like, this is a perfectly opportune moment mm-hmm. to make myself stronger with another Horcrux, because he believes that Horcruxes make him stronger, when really they make him weaker. Yeah. Gross. Yeah.
1: It also... <laughs> It makes me think about Moaning Myrtle and just how horrific that whole thing is. Like, it's already horrific, but just imagine Mm -hmm. you're in the bathroom, you're crying because you're being bullied, you see some eyes, you hear a boy talking, you see some eyes and you fall dead, and then your soul departs your body, sorry, not your soul, an echo of your soul departs your body, Mm -hmm. an imprint of you, and you just see the boy kneel down, cut off your finger or something, and just eat it. Oh, no. And just the horror of that moment, and you're forever trapped in that horrible, horrible thing of just you can't—you're screaming, you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. You're just watching this happen, and it's just the most awful thing I can imagine. It's yeah, just, that's Ugh. no
0: good. Don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it. <sighs> okay, I've. But then why wouldn't she tell anyone? Because she's a ghost. I wouldn't be able
1: to talk about that. Like, I know that she's a misery porn person, but I would not be able to talk
0: about that ever. Like, imagine. Not even to, like, (laughs) to make sure that your killer saw justice? If she was able to identify it was Tom Riddle who, like, maybe he didn't kill me, but he definitely fucked with my corpse after I was dead. Like, that's an indication of guilt.
1: Well, we always know that was a plot hole. No one asked Myrtle who killed her. Like, you know, (laughs) either she didn't see, was too traumatized to notice who did
0: it, or, you know,
1: no one asked mm-hmm. her.
0: <laughs> Which, honestly, all three could be false. I think it's gotta be that, like, the legal testimony of ghosts doesn't count. Doesn't matter. And yeah. so, like, maybe people questioned her. Like, maybe Dumbledore got the story about she just looked into a pair of eyes and died, but he couldn't make sense of it. I don't know, because he's an idiot. Mm. <laughs> um, but, like, there was no point the ministry officials questioning her, and her testimony wouldn't have helped Hagrid, so, you know, blah blah blah. Anyway... She might have also been scared. Like, if she did see Tom Riddle was the one that killed her
1: and then mutilated her body by cannibalizing a part of her, I'd be fucking scared out of my wits. Like, I'm not already a ghost, but yeah, maybe she's too scared to talk. She's twelve. Like, you know, yeah,
0: <laughs> fuck. Very true. I have, I have, like, I've read arguments against the cannibalism theory, saying that it couldn't have happened because Voldemort or Tom Riddle didn't, didn't eat a part of Myrtle or his father or Hepzibah Smith, who were also cited as Horcrux victims. How do we know? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like he didn't have to eat the whole person. He could have just cut off like their ear, a part of their thigh. Mm -hmm. Like it could be a small part. It doesn't have to be a whole pound of flesh, but you know. He
0: could have removed something from their internals. Like it could have been a part of their heart or their liver or something Mm. that nobody would ever know that he just extracted yeah. through their mouth or something like and that like, you know yeah also yeah. like we just don't know with 100% certainty that those deaths were used to make horcruxes like this is Dumbledore's theory but Dumbledore doesn't mm. know for sure he's just guessing based on what seems most likely yeah exactly yeah he could have used yeah. Voldemort could have used like Morfin Gaunt his uncle or he could have to make the diary horcrux because he killed him while he was still in school and he could have used literally any other person. He could have been mm. doing all kinds of murders. Yeah. So I don't think that's mm. an argument against this. I like
1: the cannibalism theory because there's a lot of history to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Like, it's happened everywhere across the globe yeah. at different points in time. It's happened in warfare. It's happened as part of a grieving process for some communities, mm-hmm. which in, in which case it's not seen as, like, something desirable, but something that is done on a duty, yeah. which is very sad. Mm-hmm. The sort of cannibalism we're talking about here is hostile cannibalism. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that I found on Wikipedia about cannibalism in Fiji. So, it's believed that the spirit of a dead person remained with the body for four days, and that if you ate the corpse before this time elapsed, you um, prevented it from ascending to the spirit world and becoming a source of power and guidance for your enemies. So, I mean... I just I I like the idea that there's this ultimate form of dominance and control even after death, which I think Voldemort would be mm-hmm. very attracted to, and maybe you know like we like we said we don't know that Myrtle was used to become a Horcrux, so maybe eating part of the body prevents that person from coming back as a ghost and chatting, you know, telling people yeah. what happened to them. That's cool, because he could still be alive for that. Yeah, you could be. There's no proof to say
0: that part of the ritual
1: is that the person has to be killed before they're cannibalized. Yeah, maybe it has to
0: happen while they're alive. Maybe that's why Myrtle wasn't used to be a Horcrux, because she died so suddenly. Yeah. I kind of not like the idea, but I'm interested in the idea that Voldemort effectively, like, cut open his father, pulled out a part of him, ate it in front of him, healed him with magic, and then killed him. So there would be no trace of it happening. Terrible. Bad. (laughs) That's awful. Mm.
1: Ugh, it's sickening. And I keep thinking of that fucking design of Voldemort from the Philosopher's Stone movie with his big yep. shark mouth. <laughs> this, the hidden design that they didn't go with because they thought it'd be too terrifying. Probably a good move on their part. They were right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his big unhingeable snake jaw coming out of Quirrell's head. That's like twice the mm-hmm. size of Quirrell's head. Awful. <laughs> Ugh, nasty. I I do wish he'd looked more like that, because, like, when he when he came back in the fourth movie, he looks... He's not scary enough in the fourth movie. <laughs> he should look more monstrous.
1: I think he's the scariest in the fourth movie. In five to eight, he looks like nothing <laughs> to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. In the fourth movie, he looks like he's just been born. He looks reptilian. He looks... Thin and creepy. I don't like it. In the other movies, Mm. he just looks like Ray Fiennes with some makeup on. Like it doesn't look the same.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. Voldemort's very very scary in the fourth movie, but I think it's more comes from the acting, from his manic energy and the way that he's screaming and that he's very gentle and he's like, yeah, that's he's frightening. (laughs) But that's I put that more on um the actor was his name Ralph Ralph Fiennes Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes. Yeah, I didn't know it off the top of my head. So I had to mimic what you just said and I did it wrong. I think that he would have been scarier with like glowing red eyes and a big unhingeable snake jaw mouth and fangs. I mean, obviously <laughs> there's, there's more we could have done with this and making
1: him look like an egg. <laughs> I didn't mind that they didn't give him red eyes though. Cause I, I felt the pale eyes looked like dead snake eyes as well. So they weren't too bad. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it would have been more effective with a red eyes and sharp teeth thing. But yeah. I, I
0: think, I think the red eyes contrast really well with Harry's, like, startlingly startlingly green eyes. Mm. But if Harry in the movies has blue eyes, the the pale, washed-out blue of Voldemort's eyes also works really well. He's like a dying version of Harry. (laughs) It's good foil. Yeah. Yeah. It works better. Anyway, enough about this. (laughs) (laughs) I have a theory about Horcruxes and the Horcrux making process that I'm excited about because I think it's cool. Yeah, go into it. So, yeah, I have an alternate theory that doesn't involve cannibalism. Finally, (laughs) freedom from cannibalism. Let's get away from this. Yeah, it's (laughs) also deeply fucked up, but less vomit inducing and more existentially terrifying, which is okay because we know that the vomiting thing comes from his resurrection, not not the Horcrux process. I still vomit of the cannibalism suggestion as well. Yeah. (laughs) To be honest. It's definitely (laughs) like stomach turning. What if the process of making a Horcrux actually has nothing to do with the victim's body? Because the cannibalism necrophilia stuff is very body focused. What if the awful thing that you do to them isn't physical, it's actually something to do with their soul? Right. So I've always imagined that the process of making a Horcrux works something like kill a person, tear off your soul, pull that piece of your soul out of your body, put it in an object. Right. But what if instead it's like you need to kill multiple people and commit other heinous acts over a long period of time to gradually weaken your soul? Mm -hmm. Then you use dark magic to tear a piece of it free then you find a victim ideally who's someone innocent so they have a strong and healthy soul Mm -hmm. use dark magic to graft your damaged piece of corrupted soul onto their healthy living soul while they're still alive then you pull it out of them and transfer it into an object that's how you make a horcrux Okay, so it's like a recipe. It's not like a three-step, you know,
1: Jamie's 30-minute meals. It's like a fucking, you know, recipe now. (laughs) It's several steps.
0: It's like a whole Here's something I prepared earlier. You've got to preheat your oven for
1: 40 minutes. (laughs) Far out, all
0: right. I wanted it to be a more involved process because I just think something that damages you so much like voldemort's making of horcruxes took place over years and years and it warped him from this handsome charming young man into this mutilated (laughs) snake monster and it just seems like it should be something time consuming and magically draining and like it takes a lot of effort to do this thing it's hard the fact that he was able to do it more than once is a marvel in and of itself okay So I think this makes sense because it matches up with what we know about souls in the Wizarding World. They exist, first of all. They can be removed from your body. They can't be destroyed Mm -hmm. unless they've been weakened. And it explains why the victims that Voldemort made into Horcruxes wouldn't appear to be physically damaged. Like Moaning Myrtle and... um, Tom Riddle Senior, like, why they look as if they're whole and complete. All right. Can you run through me an example with, like, Moaning Myrtle? I want to
1: just picture how the step-by-step process would happen, because I need to... I'm a bit confused about it still.
0: Okay. So Voldemort... Tom Riddle... I'm just going to call him Voldemort. Voldemort opens up the Chamber of Secrets, and he releases this basilisk. Um, He forms a bond with the basilisk, using parcel tongue and dark magic to control it, and then he uses it to stalk through the school... And attack Muggleborns over a long period of time. Yeah, doing that drastically weakens his soul to the point at which he can tear a part of it off.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe he's going to the bad place. Like he's yeah,
0: yeah. He's right. he's condemning himself and he's mm-hmm. making himself weaker, even though he doesn't understand that. Yeah. And then he tears a part of his soul off. Um. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to my process because I've forgotten the next step. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So then he finds a victim. Moaning Myrtle, someone who nobody's going to miss if she goes missing. And she's a Muggleborn, so perfect. Mm-hmm. You get her alone, so you know that she goes off to the bathroom by herself. No one's going to come after her or bother her for hours. Mm-hmm. You kill her. Um, Tom Riddle uses the basilisk to kill her, but that's not really necessary. You could kill her whoever you want. No, yeah. wait, sorry. Before you kill her. <laughs> um, you take the piece of your soul and you use some sort of dark ritual or dark spell to graft your soul onto hers then you kill her then you take her soul out actually hang on I've now realized this doesn't work because otherwise Moaning Myrtle couldn't be a ghost okay sorry different person Hepzibah Smith Hepzibah Smith same process (laughs) except instead of using a basilisk to kill her you're alone with her you graft your soul onto hers you kill her then when her soul should have departed and gone to the afterlife, you somehow catch it and trap it and you move it into an object instead. All oh, right. Okay. Like a Dementor can suck a soul out and capture it. Yeah. Okay. So this means that a Horcrux is less like an object and more like a person or like a ghost. It's an indestructible magical shell surrounding a soul.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And binding your broken piece of soul to a healthy one makes your piece of soul stronger, and you therefore stronger, but it also weakens or corrupts the victim's soul, which is why it's possible to destroy a Horcrux at all, because you can only mm-hmm. destroy something that's broken. Sorry, you can only destroy a soul that's broken, otherwise souls are immutable. Yeah. So I think this makes sense why rockers are so alive, why they can act independently of the creators, like the Tom Riddle diary, mm-hmm. and why Voldemort had no knowledge of what it was doing, because it's kind of like its own person.
1: Yeah. That's evident in the movies, too. Like, they build into that with the locket. There's a part where they open the locket and there's two eyeballs just peering out. It's
0: mm-hmm. very creepy.
1: Mm, like, the cup seems to have whispering,
0: like, whenever they zoom in on the cup, there's like a bunch of whispering happening yeah. and stuff like that. Same with the locket. And, like, why Voldemort doesn't seem to really feel connected anymore, it's because he took that part of himself and he made it into something else, something separate from him. This feeds into my idea of the fact that it should be difficult and time-consuming and messy to create a Horcrux. Like, it's a long process that involves dealing a lot of damage to your own soul. And that's why most wizards, Mm -hmm. even if they do want to be immortal, don't fuck with Horcruxes because the only part of you that really is truly immortal is your soul and if you fuck with it like this you're you're ruining like any potential of an afterlife mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah I, I like it <laughs> I, I think it's an alright theory I just I'm not I can't imagine a kind of magic where you can draw someone's soul out of their body without damaging their body mm-hmm. I just it's hard for me to picture that because in my mind only dementors can do that yeah
0: I'll get to that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, go cool. ahead. So I think this is why it's possible for Harry and Nagini to be Horcruxes, first of all. Even though accidental Horcruxes aren't supposed to be pop- uh, possible and living Horcruxes aren't advisable, if part of the process is that you take a bit of your soul and graft it onto theirs while they're still alive, then like obviously that part happened to Harry and Nagini while they were alive. Um, usually the part of this process that makes the actual Horcrux is... Like the separating of the soul from its body and its magic—that's mm-hmm. the part where the soul becomes vulnerable and defenceless, and where you can stuff it in an object and <laughs> make a Horcrux. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, I think it works. Yeah, and I think it—it it makes more sense for Nagini because she's not an animal; she's a human, a human soul in a snake body, oh. ripe for the Horcruxing. That's right. Yeah, she is, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> So my final, like, part of this, the part that's the really horrifying part is what happens to the victim once their soul's taken out? Do they die? No. Because being dead isn't your soul leaving your body. Being dead is your soul moving on into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So I think they become dementors.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, we discussed that, like, Barney Jr. became a dementor eventually
0: after he experienced the kiss over time. Yeah. I think a body without a soul becomes a Dementor okay. over time. So in that case, Dumbledore's completely wrong.
1: None of the people that, that Voldemort murdered became Horcruxes. He must have just had like a fucking room somewhere where there was just soulless people slowly turning into Dementors <laughs> over time.
0: I think, well, first of all, Voldemort may not have known about this or he just wouldn't yeah. have cared because he doesn't give a shit in my version of this killing one person one time isn't enough to like rip a chunk of your soul free that you can use to make a horcrux you need to do it over you need to kill many people or torture many people or brutalize many people over a long period of time to damage your soul enough to actually get a big hunk of it free
1: why do you think that is that it needs to be a lot of evil in order to tear the soul apart rather than just murdering someone
0: Because I cannot imagine how someone like Voldemort could be functional then. (laughs) Surely he's killed so many people, his soul must be like a mosaic. Like, just broken, broken, tattered pieces in hundreds, thousands of pieces.
1: Yeah, but it's still, most of them are in his body, it's just some of them are outside his body.
0: So what happened when he died then? Like, his magic, I guess, wrapped up most of the pieces of soul and that's what turned into the Wraith?
1: Oh, when he died the first time. And right, only- sorry, um, Yeah, the first
0: time. Not,
1: <laughs> like, not huh? his eventual uh, death. <laughs> that's fine. He just died. <laughs> the first time, yeah, I'm guessing. That's what happened. That's what I assumed happened. That, like, you know, maybe he'd killed, mm. I don't know, fucking 50 people by then. I don't know. Maybe more. And so some of him was scattered around outside of his body in Horcruxes, but the rest of his soul that was like a fucking, you know, tattered plastic bag inside of him sort of just yeah was wrapped up by his magic and he became the wraith he couldn't become a ghost you have to have an intact soul on the moment of death to become a ghost because then you're a perfect echo Mm -hmm. that's like how sound works right (laughs) you make a sound Uh, and the echo is I don't know fucking how sound works or whatever
0: I don't know about that I think that a ghost is like a person's magic basically wrapped around their soul like a protective shell
1: yeah But because Voldemort's soul isn't intact, Mm -hmm. it's just a fucking loose soup of (laughs) a bunch of little pieces, he couldn't become a ghost. That's why he became that wraith thing where he had to possess things Mm -hmm. in order to survive because he couldn't exist outside of a body.
0: Yeah, so I guess like... In in a whole way. Like a regular murderer who's killed like maybe two or three people has a soul that's in three or four pieces, but they're all pieces that are contained inside of his body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just thought that there should be more more effort and more consequences to the tearing of your soul. I think it should be harder to do than killing a person. Killing someone is kind of considered to be one of the
1: worst things you can I do. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. But it's also possible to kill someone and not tear your soul. That's what Dumbledore says to Snape when he's like, kill me. And Snape's yeah. like, well, I don't want to de- tear my soul. <laughs>
1: it's because he euthanizes them it's not murder i think there's a difference between like malicious intent to kill and maybe accidental murder self-defense and manslaughter and then euthanizing someone Mm -hmm. that's different you wouldn't tear your soul up for that but if you're like i'm gonna kill this person i want to kill them i'm doing it now they're dead Mm -hmm. that's a horcrux so the bloody baron would have torn his soul in part but he still was able to become a ghost
0: yeah, the bloody Baron was who I was thinking of when you were talking about torn souls can't be ghosts. Hmm. Maybe not too torn. Maybe just a little rip. <laughs> They're fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I was about to say. I guess because no, he
1: killed he killed someone, then instantly killed himself. His his soul didn't have the time. <laughs> like you know, it was just starting to rip, and he's like, "Oh, damn it! I'm I'm, I'm dead now." You know. Yeah. <laughs> We shouldn't laugh about this. It's a matter of suicide. Yeah. it's very serious, guys. Um,
0: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I guess I just disagree with J.K. Rowling and her the- and her thesis that killing someone rips your soul. Yeah, well, it's a very Christian idea, so I can see why you would disagree with that. Yeah, but I think it's es- it's the
1: essence of the story, and I think that that's how it works in the. Can. Okay,
0: that makes sense then. Then maybe like the beginning part that I said that you have to damage your soul progressively over a long period of time maybe that doesn't matter maybe you can just kill and then you have many pieces to choose from to make a horcrux is there anything else that's too horrible to go into detail about or (laughs) there are definitely other things but I don't I don't know if we have the time to go into detail about them now (laughs) Yeah, so this has been a
1: dark episode. The reason that we decided to do this now, obviously, is because this is our first release for October, so it's spooky month, guys, (laughs) um, which is exciting, but we just thought we'd get really spooky for our first episode, really frightening, (laughs) horrific, and then for our next Halloween episode, it'll be a bit more lighthearted. Still a bit spooky, though.
0: Yeah, Halloween episodes are all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Really totally different (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes we're, you know, trying candy with a spooky boy. Sometimes we're talking about drape and cannibalism. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's shocking. Welcome to Podcast 93
1: cool. <laughs> basically Basically, uh, I guess I hope that you found something interesting in this episode. Um, if you have any theories or anything that you hate, like if you're like, "I this is wrong and I hate it and here's why, please send us an email. I love hearing that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Or... If you agree with us, you know, let us know. I just, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah, that's, that's all I need to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I would like feedback on my theory that you take somebody's soul out and use that to make a Horcrux. Mm. I think that's a cool, very, very scary idea of a thing (laughs) that could happen to you because a murderer wants to live forever. I personally prescribe the cannibal theory. I think it just makes sense for the Death Eater thing as well. Yeah, I like that it explains the Death Eater thing, because otherwise there's no explanation of that. Why are they called Death Eaters? Yeah, it's weird. It sounds weird and stupid. (laughs) It's like, okay, edge lord alert, you know? Yeah. (laughs) The Death Eaters. Like, okay, you eat death? Cool. Spooky, I guess. Well, I've been
1: Jem, and... I'm a supreme edgelord.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been Rhea, and maybe the real detail that was too horrible to talk about is the innocence we lost along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for
1: listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time.